In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. If our first reading at Mass this weekend were in a supermarket, we'd have a BOGO on our hands. Isaiah is dishing out two judgments in just one chapter. The first of these two judgments is Isaiah's judgment against Jerusalem. But our first reading comes from the second judgment, the go part of the BOGO, which concerns a specific individual in the royal court. That person's name is Shebna, and it's to whom the opening of the first reading is addressed. Thus says the Lord to Shebna, the master of the palace. Who was Shebna, and whatever did he do to warrant Isaiah's harsh words? Well, although our excerpt at Mass begins with verse 19, it would be helpful to read from verse 15 onward in this 22nd chapter of Isaiah. Shebna was the master of the palace in Jerusalem, but Isaiah calls him out for something wrong he's done. According to verse 16, Shebna has hewn out a tomb for himself, carving his resting place in the rock. The timing of this was not ideal. As the city of Jerusalem was under threat, Shebna was making sure he had a noteworthy place to be buried. And on top of that, he was probably making sure that it was showy and gaudy, since Isaiah also calls him out in a later verse for his splendid chariots. Because of all of this, God tells Shebna that he'll have the last laugh, because Shebna is actually going to be carried off to a broad land and there die, making his angst about the tomb all for nothing. And right after that is where our verse picks up. I will thrust you from your office, and on that day I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. Eliakim will take over Shebna's role as master of the palace, and he will be given the key to the court. Keys were much, much larger then than the car keys you own today. They were massive wooden creations that were often worn on the neck, or even more commonly, on one's shoulder. The Lord will place the key of the house of David on Eliakim's shoulder. When he opens, no one shall shut. When he shuts, no one shall open. We'll take a very brief look at our second reading. It's the very last four verses of the 11th chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Romans. This is important because in chapters 9 through 11, St. Paul has been talking all about God's plan of salvation for all people, Jew and Gentile. So to conclude his whole discussion on the topic, St. Paul praises the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. And he finishes this praise with a doxology which will sound quite familiar to what you'll hear the priests say at Mass. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. From the very outset, the setting of our gospel passage is immensely important. Caesarea Philippi was the self-named city of Herod's son, Philip. Talk about gauche, right? I mean, Philip named the entire city after himself, Caesarea Philippi. But previous to the change, the city was home to the shrine of the Greek god Pan. And even before that, it was a cultic center for the Canaanite god Baal. Given that this was a site where various gods of other religions were worshipped through the centuries, Peter's confession of Jesus as the son of the living God is especially apt. Jesus praises Simon, son of Jonah, for this profession of faith, and then he continues with a very famous line. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. But unfortunately in English, we lose the immensely clever wordplay of Jesus in this line. You see, the word translated as Peter here is Petros in Greek, and the word for rock as a common noun is Petra. 
But what's more, Jesus likely would have spoken this to Peter in Aramaic. And in Aramaic, there's no distinction between these two forms of the word. So Jesus would have said something like this, You are Kepha, and upon this Kepha I will build my church. Elsewhere in the Bible, there are places where Peter is referred to as Kephas, or Cephas, and it's taken from this Aramaic word for rock. But what's even more, while we're quite familiar with Peter being someone's first name, at the time of Jesus, Peter was entirely uncommon as a first name. In fact, there's no record of anyone ever being named Peter prior to Simon Peter. Peter, Petra, was simply a common noun, rock. Sort of like how Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin named their child Apple. A common noun turned into a name. As Jesus names Peter as the rock upon which he will build his church, he also tells him that the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. There is a massive debate about what this phrase means. It very well could be one of the most debated lines in the entire Bible. I mean, I'm not kidding when I say that no less than 12 different theories exist as to how we should understand the gates of hell not prevailing against it here. But perhaps the most concise way of describing what Jesus is after is that not even death and its forces will eliminate the church entirely. As a final note, Jesus tells Peter that whatever he binds on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever he looses on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is referenced to common nomenclature of Jesus' day, in which Jewish rabbis would debate and apply the law of Moses. To do so was called the binding and loosing of the law, and Jesus is passing on this authority of correct binding and loosing to Peter. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year A. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.